Hey everyone, and welcome to the Integrated Interventions Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler C., And this week on the show, we're changing it up a little bit. This week, we want to share a conversation between our founders, Terry and Angela Edelman, and Chad Brown, president of Soul River, where they speak about what Soul River is, how they met, and how Integrated Interventions has a heart for community partnerships, getting together with other organizations that have the same mindset of teaching and reaching out to young people to help them grow into better adults. So let's get into this episode, but before we do, make sure, or even as you're listening, make sure you check out soul river on their website at soulriverinc.org that's s-o-u-l-r-i-v-e-r-i-n-c.org let's jump in to hear how terry and angela first met chad Uh, you know we've always worked in in some some sort of care treatment field and we were doing a bunch of projects on the river with adolescents and so we had a number of people reaching out to us to support what we were doing with adolescents. And, and that's how Chad and I first got connected. We started talking about what we were doing with kids, um, uh, teenagers. Uh, and then we, sh- we started to, we, we made arrangements to, to try to hook up touch bases in Salt Lake City at the Wasatch Show. So. So that's a, that's a the fly fishing show at the Wasatch. Oh. Show. So, so he was on one side of the show. We were on the other side of the show, Angela and I, and we were tying flies and talking to people and and selling some equipment and stuff that we did, and uh, and we were getting ready to go. And I said, well, we should probably walk over and try to find Chad. So we went over and we went to his booth. Stop. This is what, what? I'm gonna say. What? Yeah. So we went over the booth, and as I was what? dealing with customers and talking about somebody out of nowhere saying. You owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. that yeah. yeah. Well, so before I said that though, because you, you, you weren't, who was working the who was working the booth? Uh, like, uh, that was Kevin, the, my partner. Yeah. At well, the time. Right. I think so. Wasn't it? Another Arnie. Guy, I can't remember his name. Well, oh yeah, that was another uh, buddy mode came down. Uh, Tim. Oh, okay, okay. So anyway, I said, I'm looking for Chad. And they're like, well, is there something I can help you with? And I said, I said, no, I'm looking for Chad Brown. And I get a little serious. My tone of volume changes. And he says, well, what can I help you with? I said, well, Chad owes me money. I'd like to know where he is right now. And then the guy was like, starts lying to me. He's like, well, Chad's not here right now. Uh, he's not in the building. And I could see Chad like three booths down. He's down there doing business. So then Chad sees what's going on. He's like, something's happening down there. And he turns around, starts walking. He's like, can I help you guys? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for Chad Brown. You owe me money. <laughs> I, I don't think I really responded. I just kind of looked at him like, you know, like a deer in headlights, I guess. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, so. Describe that look, Chad, actually. I felt bad the whole time. I'm like, come on, Terry. No, no, no. Let's, let's. No, he's like, no, watch. Yeah. Watch no, this. It's <laughs> like, no. Nah. So, so, yeah. So then, then, anyway, so then we, Chad walked up and it was all hugs and high fives. Yeah. And, it was it was good to find a connected person, and then we yeah. then we just started talking about. I mean, it really went kind of straight to project mode. Like, yeah, what can we do together to help kids? And the first real project that came out of that was um, as we got back to Idaho and Portland, uh, we got on the phone and we started having some really like 
I think one time it was like a two-hour drive where mm -hmm. we were on the phone all the time, and we laid out the plans for the first celebration uh, while still here. Celebration while yeah, still here. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah. I don't even know. Was that the, even the name of it? Celebration while still here. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And we did it yeah. at the. Was it on the yeah. Willamette at the dog uh, park? It was on um, in Selwood. It was in Selwood uh, at a park. Yeah, and the park was on the Willamette. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. But it was Willamette. also like yeah. a dog park, right? Like yeah, it was like a dog park. Yeah. So we had so so we decided what we wanted to do is we want, you know again, when you think about fly fishing, most people think about fly fishing. If they don't know anything about it, they think about a river runs through it and it's pretty to watch and. Uh, you know, the, the movie A River Runs Through It, which kind of blasted the thing out wide open. But the other thing that people think about um, is, is it's expensive. Um, and it's not a cross-culture hobby. Right. It is primarily uh, white people that have some cash because it's, it, it's a spendy thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and the most beautiful places to go do it are uh, difficult to reach um, a lot of times. And... Uh, Lodging is expensive, and the equipment's expensive. So, so we we started talking about um, conservation. We started talking about the connection with fly fishing, mm -hmm. and then we we started to put together this thing about like having kids that skateboard, and mm -hmm. having live music with different kinds of bands, uh, and putting a kind of a day on the green, uh, art on the green kind of festival together to celebrate this resource, and then have you know the fly fishing part of it. Yeah, and it unfolded like yeah. and it, Chad did most of the footwork. I, you know, I'm all the way over in Idaho, and Chad's right here in Portland. He he put everything together, did the footwork, and we basically showed up and started casting fly lines in between people walking their dogs and, yeah. and, and live music. What was the name of that band? Was, the Buffalo yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo Tribe. Yeah, Buffalo Tribe. Yeah, they yeah. came out and played. Uh, it was good. You know, it was it was really very organic. You know, and I think. Sometimes I think, you know, things that, that can grow fast or whatever, you kind of miss that organic, you know, easily because when things start to go into, like, operation mode and people start getting job titles and <laughs> all that kind of right. stuff, you know. And, and that was a time that me and Terry, you know, we were just, you know, out just casting, you know, and just having a good time and sharing the sport of fly fishing with folks coming by and some people stopping and with their kids and listen to the music, the reggae music that was playing and you know, and um yeah, it was that was really that was really cool. It was cool. Remember that there was that one lady who was like she's out there everybody just sat on the lawn listening to music and this this one lady and she was out there and she was doing this really like she had long hair and she's doing and this this long kind of sundress thing and she was spinning in circles with all of her hair kind of mm -hmm. spinning with her and this really like you know, I don't know, chanting kind of dance to the to the music. Um, and then you had people like, we pulled a boat, we left it on the trailer, we pulled this drift boat out onto the lawn yeah. so people could stand in front of the drift boat and cast at targets. We had a casting lane set up. And every once in a while, somebody's dog would run through and get hung up in a fly line. Oh. Not like in the hook, but in the fly yeah. line. And then right. people were like fighting the dog to try to land it, you know? <laughs> but it was cool, I think, then we got approached like right away. People felt the energy, yeah. the volume, the meaning, and then they want to commercialize it. So right away we yeah. got people that are like, yeah. "Hey, we need to set up booths, and you guys should charge for this, and yeah. and we and we should have concession stands." And we're like, "That is not 
yeah. what we're trying to do. That's yeah. We're trying to bring people together to blend cultures, to shrink the world, make things more world-centric, yeah. not not make a dime off of it. That yeah, that's what it was about, you know. And, um, yeah, it was bringing uh, the sport that we love to the, um, to the community, you know, where people are not able to um, – get out there or you know and and because they have their own barriers of financial or gear calls or even transportation and so that was like a day that me and terry and angela you know out there just bringing the love of fly fishing into their backyard and and express it that way yeah yeah that was cool we got good pictures from that <laughs> exactly yeah it was awesome it was yeah awesome. so that was our first that was our first major interaction yeah integrated interventions is a community-based mentoring program that challenges its students and helps them grow by exposing them to people in the community that they can build resources and build relationships with much like the event that chad and terry put on that first day we encourage our students to go out there and to find their tribe for some that tribe might be on the river fly fishing and for others it might be down at the skate park here in town Either way, we encourage our students to get out there and to build relationships. And as a matter of fact, a lot of times those are the relationships that will help sustain them in their biggest time of need. Let's jump back into it and hear how Chad found his tribe and his tribe was there to help him during a time where he needed it the most. Soul, Soul River came about through circumstances of me uh, dealing with my uh, uh, PTSD stuff uh, from the military and um, you know I lost a lot in my life and, and got to a point where I was uh, uh, I was homeless you know and I attempted uh, suicide and um, and um, found by a couple of cops found like I was a vet took me up to the uh, the hospital stayed there for like four days in a suicide watch and uh, and then coming out of that, um, the, just to fast forward, I made a lot of uh, friends on the river, anglers, um, conservation folks, um, and just a random of many friends who I connected with from the outdoors uh, at that time in my life, you know, poured um, just a lot of uh, different types of uh, knowledge into me from you know, uh, being on the river and loving nature and why things are important and why wild steelhead, our wild fish are important, you know, trout, steelhead, salmon, um, you know, and I had all the time in the world to sit back for maybe, I think it was like maybe four years of my life just to soak in all that and, and relearn and retool my thoughts as, um, as a, you know, like a pupil all over again, you know, I was humble enough to to be to be taught and uh, when I get to a place where I got um, a little bit stronger you know through my uh, um, uh, times of therapy uh, on the river and in um, the VA hospital and group therapy uh, then I got money uh, that was back pay that came in at the same time pretty much a little bit a little bit time a little bit after that um, and so I was getting stronger and ready to get back into society. And I didn't really want to get into working for the man. And I wanted to do something that was, uh, that tapped into my passion, the love of fly fishing. Um, my, also my first passion is, uh, 
art and design, you know, photography. And so I wanted to combine those things together and do something different, but this time step out and do something to where my walk now is more of a walk of uh, bringing people together because I remember that first day on the river uh, when I hooked into a fish and I was strung out on heavy medication, um, that one fish made me smile, you know, and all that medication I was taking, it was me walking around like a freaking zombie, uh, you know, and so when I hooked in and all that hooting, hooting and hollering, I felt the ooze of like medicine coming out of my pores and all this. And so I connected those dots together and it's like, this is what makes me happy. This is what makes me smile. So that moment of of happiness is that same moment of happiness I try to hold on to and pour that into the organization of Soul River. You know, yeah, we do a lot of many different things, uh, advocacy and, and leadership, but the root of that is is fly fishing, you know. And 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 it's 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 the opportunity of bringing someone any older or younger, a veteran or a youth that's going through their issues, going through their ups and downs or whatever they're going through, and you bring them to that river. You may not even be into fishing, but just bring it to that river where nature has this way of of listening to you you know nature has this way of helping you solve what you're going through you know and if you happen to hook into a fish uh, then you start to feel the you know that that excitement that's running through your veins and, and and everything like that it's like another form of natural medicine you know and um and so uh, yeah, so that led into, you know, bringing Soul River together where the mission today is uh, bringing youth and veterans together where that veteran serves that youth uh, and give that youth a lifetime of experience, mentorship, leadership, and the youth gives us in exchange uh, a simple purpose to push forward in life. There's this uh, relationship that ex that extends itself beyond the the deployment you know uh it's it's something like a tribe family um uh, and there's this also really interesting playful child that tends to burst out of a veteran that i see and um you know we can carry ourselves a certain way may, we may look hard or whatever you know but over course of time between that relationship that you 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 do see this child that comes out this this a, a new refreshed smile a new smile uh a new way of seeing things uh you know um and it's a really interesting relationship you know uh i i have said you know when i'm speaking at different places i tend to always say you know you when we have been on deployments real deployments military and um, you know, there's, there's a, you know, that's all connected to war or anything like that. And when you got veterans that come back, um, of course they're, we are disconnected from that home. Um, uh, but we definitely got, uh, a link, uh, a tapestry link in common amongst other veterans that we get each other, you know, or understand, et cetera, you know, without us sometimes even have to say something, you know, um, these deployments that we go on, in some of the relationships in youth and veterans, when they come back, 
you see that kind of relationship as if almost coming back from a real deployment. You know, not the damage piece from the war piece, but it's that like that bond, you know. And so a lot of these veterans don't see that youth as youth. They see that youth as their brother, their sister, you know, and um, and and you see a lot of vets that will take a, a step up to support their brother and their sister. You know, uh, I have firsthand experience of a young man that, and I share this story all the time, that he he was stealing and um, made the wrong move, hit the, hit the security guard, and, um, and he was basically about to face going to jail. Um, and, you know, mom reached out to me, put a uh, letter together, sent that to the courts basically to speak on his character. When I found out his, his date, I sent a signal out to all the veteran community of Soul River, you know, and there was like around maybe, I don't say nine to 12 veterans that showed up on the behalf of this kid, you know, uh, and, and that was the power and the strength that what communicate community can do to one person or for a person, you know, and these veterans, they took that stand, you know, uh, and that judge was shocked. That judge looked at those veterans and he said, you know, young man, I can't move forward with this, you know, knowing that he's an African-American young man and he's just about that close to get into the system, you know, off of, uh, making a really bad choice, one choice, you know, that could have altered that young man's life. And and so the judge, uh, you know, from his background, he's, he was from L.A., he was in gangs and all that kind of stuff, you know, and he has worked his way out of that situation. Now he's a judge here in Portland. You know, luckily, you know, the courts was being navigated by someone who's been there, you know, and he was able to relate to see himself also as that young kid, and a lot of us knew, you know, and so that judge knew that if if, if he would have, you know, gave that sentence to that kid, it, it really would have gotten lost into the system big time, and there's a lot of young men that are in the system that made some really, really stupid decisions, you know, uh, and if they had to do it all over again, they'd probably say, well, I wish someone would have gave me one more opportunity, you know, uh, and everything like that. So um, that judge, you know, gave him that opportunity, you know, and, and, and you know, and he, I remember him talking about how community is so powerful, and, and I think, you know, those veterans showed that. They showed love, you know, which was something that we, um, we miss a lot amongst ourselves, you know, and we miss community, you know, and so, you know, just to bookmark that piece, you know, you need to, you know, just to bring up like, uh, always talking about like Native American uh, culture, you know, and we have warriors. So when warriors go off the war, you know, they're warriors, they come home, it's their community that heals them, you know, and brings them back into a natural state and back into a functional state of their tribe, basically, you know. And 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 so when warriors, uh, as a veteran, comes home, you know, there's a big miss community that we don't connect back to anymore, you know, and sometimes that community is not there. And really what we're looking for is love. That's that's really what we're looking for, you know. And so, again, going back where those veterans took that stand, that kid and those kids that was on the deployment gave veterans purpose. Mm -hmm. 
Now, veterans got their purpose, and so now they're taking a stand and giving that back. And it's, a, it's like an exchange, right? And so they knew that kid. They knew the character. They were out in employment. Yeah, he made a, a bad move, but they're taking a stand to support and say, hey, you know what? This kid just needs one more chance to get back out there, you know. So um, today that kid has graduated from high school, you know. That kid got his first job at McDonald's, and that kid is over in Africa studying, you know. And, you know, and, and, and so and it's all by the support of community, right? How we show up, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Showing up, you know, being in present, you know, uh, and, and taking a stand, you know. And so that's a couple things I witnessed um, in the organization, you know, since I've been in Oregon. There's a lot of stories, you know, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, going, going on with that, as far as like the community piece, Terry and Angela, when you guys were developing integrated intervention, um, what was the thought behind community-based? Not just everything's all gonna be in one house, therapists are there, um, uh, the gym is at, at our location, what, if, what were you guys thinking through in your, in, in your minds when it came to that same idea of community? Uh, you know, speaking for myself, we've just seen a lot of, a lot of years at a lot of different treatment programs uh, where you have a, uh, a population of people that are not well, and you put them with more people that are not well, and then you're expecting them to get better. Uh, and I had a parent ask me one time, um, how many bipolar kids were in the program? And I said, well, we've got a lot of different kind of kids. We don't have any bipolar kids. <laughs> we have, we have, there's kids here that are dealing with bipolar issues, but they aren't bipolar. Uh, and and that's, that kind of has become the model for treatment. Um, and that bothered us a lot. So we wanted a community-based treatment program where students, uh, when you ask them who they were going to be friends with, it would be other people in the community, uh, and that they weren't focused on uh, their diagnosis or their medication or what treatment program they were in as their identity. Uh, so that's why we, we reached the same, same information that, that Chad's talking about. It's you want to belong, but you, you don't want to belong to the sick population. <laughs> You know, you don't want to belong to the, the weak population or the problem population. You, you want to belong to a culture. You know, you want to be able to have your own belief systems. You want to be able to participate in cool things and walk down the street, get a job like anybody else, and not be looked at because of your label. Uh, and so that's why, we, that's why we took our program right, right downtown. It's right in the community. Uh, and uh, and we're doing that in you know multiple locations. We're, we'll cookie cutter that. And that's really the only cookie cutter part of our program is that you know everybody needs a therapist and everybody has to be in the community, involved in the community. Angela, you get. Yeah, I agree with the the, the community piece. Um, it is, and, and Chad's mentioned it a few times as well in um, talking about Soul River. Um, but the community gives you. Um, this sense of belonging and um, having like-minded people um, that you can associate with. 
and um, and given in treatment for us or um, with Chad um, and the veterans and the youth, um, providing the sense of community, the sense of belonging. And realistically, you can do that with a lot. But for us, for Terry and I um, specifically um, talking about the program, um, it was important to us that um, those that we were working with understood that um, they are not their diagnosis mm -hmm. and that by reaching out in the community, they um, could get, you know, again, that sense of belonging um, and, and to be able to blend in and, and not, not stick out. I think, you know, with a lot of programs, especially, uh, especially with residential, you know, and, and you drive around the big vans, everybody knows, oh, that's treatment right there. <laughs> it's treatment program. We're, we're like, let's like, wait a minute, I thought that was church. No. <laughs> Well, <laughs> ah, that was a nope. That was a treatment program. Nope. Going by. Yeah. yeah. So, we wanted the the individuals we work with to understand, um, you know, that this is how you blend into the community, and you don't have to act out because your your diagnosis says this is the way you you know you need to behave. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we're you know we're there as a support um, to help them integrate into the the community, and again, the sense of belonging. Yes, and then, then some of the other piece there was we work with a lot of students, well, everybody, students, staff. I don't think I've met anybody anywhere anymore that doesn't have trauma, like whether it was from their childhood, whether it was from some employer being mean to them, whether it was day rape, whether you know, the football coach smacked them, you know, something, car accident. Uh, drug stuff, uh, uh, you know, just trauma is huge. Like it's everywhere, and the more informed we are, the more we find out that it's rampant. Like, hmm. um, and so along those same lines, there's a lot of what I consider young adults. Um, you know, I'm an old guy, but a lot of our soldiers that are coming back, um, they don't have the resources to pay for. Uh, good treatment and there's a lot of uh, PTSD uh, you know and some other you know lots of other trauma based issues but we we'll use PTSD because it's probably the most commonly thought of so uh, so we we see a lot of this so now I we start watching what Chad's doing with connecting veterans with the youth and it and you watch how it works the other way around. Like we work with young people to help young people be, you know, better, mm -hmm. to be able to participate, uh, to have meaning in their life. And then you watch, you watch it the other way around as Chad connects veterans with youth. We watch veterans uh, are well. Uh, there's more wellness involved with what they're doing in their own life. Uh, and it grows fast. Like, you, you know, we, today we had a training. We talked about uh, crisis intervention and relationship building, uh, trauma-informed care. Uh, and, and you could tell all those people in that room are digesting that information, retaining that information. And when you get up to leave, you're all part of the same club. You're all part of the same tribe. And the goal is to help other people. Uh, not to make money. Uh, you know, and not to hoard information uh, for marketing purposes. It's going to make my program better than your program. It's to help other people. They'll walk out the door and start helping people immediately. It's, 
and that the reward in itself is uh, that that uh, community of culture. So. To learn more about Integrated Interventions, follow us on social media at Integrated Interventions or check us out on our website at IntegratedInterventionsLLC.com. You can also learn more about Integrated Interventions on our new YouTube vlog by clicking the link below or searching Integrated Interventions as a hashtag on YouTube. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next time.